0: Developing meekness and overcoming anger. Developing meekness and overcoming anger. The Lord said to us in prayer meeting some time ago, He said that there are places that I want to take you where the glory flow is flowing, but you have to cultivate your character. Now remember that character, very often people define it as as, uh, wrongdoing, you know, lack of character that person does wrong or they sin. A person with character doesn't sin or doesn't do wrong. Well, both of those are partially true and partially wrong. You can have great character and still miss the mark, all right? Uh, And character is more than just not sinning. It's developing the uh, attributes of Christ. The Bible says that our goal as believers is to mature and to become like-minded with Him. All right, and so this is very important. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verse five, "Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth." Now Charles caps would always say, By the time the meek get it, the taxes will be so high they won't want it. but uh, <laughs> hallelujah, that's a little humor, very little, but notice it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness. Is a choice. And meekness, the word meek, it means to be mild, to be humble, or gentle of spirit. Mild, humble, or gentle of spirit. That's a choice. I choose to be meek. I choose to be gentle. I choose to be mild. I choose to be a peacemaker. All right? Meekness is trusting in superior strength. And that's the strength of the Lord. Meekness is trusting in superior strength. And that's the strength of the Lord. All right? It's been said that meekness is simply uh, power under control or strength under control. Hallelujah. But meekness involves humility, it involves patience and as i said gentleness kindness one attributes of attribute of meekness is to be unassuming to be unassuming hallelujah that's important a, a meek person expects nothing from anybody and is thankful for everything hallelujah i i've had people say you know well i'm i'm Upset with that person. Just get angry at somebody. Well, why? Well, they don't respect me. Well, who says they have to? Why why would you assume that they had to? If I'm not expecting anything and I'm thankful for everything. Is that right? See, Jesus came expecting nothing. Willing to give everything. That's the character of That we press into. Do you see this? Another part of meekness is patience. Being patient. Being long-suffering. Being kind. Hallelujah. You know, even if you don't have a relationship with someone that did you wrong, where you can be kind to them personally, you've got to be kind to them in your thoughts. You've got to be kind to them in the way you think about them, the way you talk about them. You're not thinking kind thoughts if you're talking unkind about them. Is that right? You know, in the day and age we live in with uh, all the social media, it's the easiest thing in the world to just spout off your opinion with no confrontation. And if the person you're having an opinion about disagrees, what do you do? You unfriend them. Show you, I'll just unfriend you. Right? I'm not making fun of social media as much as I am saying that it's an avenue for people to be unkind and not meek. Right? That's not us. Even if you have social media, you don't get involved in all the little dust-ups because you're developing the character of Christ. The Lord spoke to Annette Caps not too long ago. And told her, he said, whatever you do in 2022, stay out of strife. And then he made this statement. He said, because strife is of the same frequency as COVID and sickness. And he said, when you get in strife, you're attracting that to you. Well, to stay out of strife, I've got to be meek. Why don't you say that out loud with me? Say, I'm going to stay out of strife and walk in meekness. You know, because people are going to say what they want to say and do what they want to do. There's any number of people that are not going to agree with you or agree with your stand or agree with what you think, but that doesn't change how I'm supposed to respond to them. Jesus said when they persecute you wrongly, he said rejoice and be exceedingly glad because they persecuted me first. Well, that word rejoice means to be To be peaceably calm. Right? To be peaceably calm. Why? Why? Because I'm developing meekness. It's more important that I develop the character of Christ than to get my way. Or to prove that I'm right. If you're right, you will be vindicated. If you're right, you'll be vindicated. It's not your job to vindicate yourself. I've had this saying for years. I don't defend myself, regardless. I don't believe what people say about me, good or bad. Amen. Because I've learned, I've learned that. I had a lady come in one time. A guy took out a newspaper ad against me, and uh, and it was ugly. It was mean. I mean, real mean, and 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 wrong. A lie. It was all lies. And uh, and some. My assistant at the time brought the paper into me and tossed it on my desk and said, what are you going to do about that? I said, nothing. She said, why not? I said, because I don't defend myself. The moment you start defending yourself against a lie, you can't. The lie changes. The truth doesn't change. The lie changes. Well, they said this about me, and it's a lie. Well, don't worry about it. It'll go away you got to develop meekness. They called Jesus a devil, a blasphemer, called him Beelzebub, the prince of devils. They attributed his works to the devil. And Jesus just kept right on healing people and setting people free and being meek and and humble and lowly. He didn't worry about it. Now, they, they, don't, they don't see the call of God on my life, or they don't see this, or they don't see that. Well, there's nothing that says they will or that they have to. Your job is take heed to your ministry. What did God tell you to do? Am I helping you? Glory to God. That, that, another part of meekness is calmness. Calmness. You know, there used to be real popular t-shirts. You know, it'd say stay calm and do whatever, right? Stay calm and move on and other stuff. Praise God. Well, that's, that's, that applies to us. Just stay calm. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Paul is speaking here and he said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, that thorn was given to him by the devil, and it was the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, this thorn, I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, I I always have to say this. Notice he didn't say no. He said, I'm going to tell you how to get rid of it. Telling you how to get rid of it is far different than no. Right? So God did not, Jesus did not just leave Paul with the thorn. He gave him a way to get it off of him, to get it out of him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, Paul, what you're going through, my grace is sufficient. In other words, you don't need any other power or strength but my grace. Right? If you could understand that, that there's no power that you need besides the power of God, that's all you need. Right? My strength is made perfect in weakness. And notice Paul. He said, hmm, most gladly, therefore, I will glory. I will glory in my infirmities, my weaknesses. Now, remember, he's not talking about glorying in sickness and glorying in disease. The weakness that he's talking about here was the inability to get rid of that thorn on his own. And he said, I will glory in my weaknesses. Why? Because notice that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The woos Bible says power is moment by moment coming to its full energy and complete operation in the sphere of weaknesses. So, so think about that. Grace then is the power and the ability of God To help you in that circumstance. Amen. And while you're going through it. Power moment by moment. Is coming to you. Oh glory to God. Yeah but pastor they said. Well you just let them say. And you just do what you're supposed to be doing. Right you just do what you do. And let them say what they say. Power is coming your way. This is meekness. Trusting in God's strength in you it takes a meek person to depend on somebody else right so what you're dealing with or what you're having to handle you're trusting in God's strength not your strength if you could have changed it you would have changed it but there's things that we don't have the strength to change But how many knows God's strength can change anything? But that takes, it takes meekness to depend on his strength. Say that right now. Say, Father, I depend on your strength. Say it one more time. Father, I depend on your strength. Hallelujah. Notice Matthew 11. Matthew chapter 11. Listen, I had to learn this, because uh, I, I, I have always been a very uh, mild person, but hard-headed. I know nobody else is like that. My mindset was, run into it real hard, and if it doesn't move, back up and run into it real hard again. Right? Amen. And that left me dazed and confused. Now, God took that tenacity and, and, and turned it the right way. But I had to learn that there's things that I just can't hit hard enough to make move. I, I need His help. Right? Matthew 11 and verse 29 Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you'll find rest to your souls. If there's peace and rest in your soul, then you're not tormented in your mind or your body. A meek person can be going through a lot, but yet be peaceful and calm. Because they're existing in a strength that's superior to theirs. If you're struggling with it, you're trying to carry it. And notice what he said his yoke was. Light and easy. Do you believe that? So his yoke, the yoke of meekness, is light and easy. He said, I want you to learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart. Hallelujah. To know Jesus is to learn about his character. And Jesus said he was meek and lowly. And the understanding of those attitudes brings rest to our soul. If I understand that, that he was meek and lowly. So my job when there's issues that arise is to focus on being meek and humble and I'll find rest. I'm just using this illustration of people, dealing with people because it's easy, right? When people get all worked up and all fired up about something you did or something you supposedly did, your job is stay meek and lowly and let them get all worked up and you stay in the peace and the rest. In your souls. I've told you the story. About the person that looked at me. One time me and Pastor Michelle. We hadn't been married very long. And we were sharing what we believe God wanted us to do with our life. We were just excited. And uh, this person looked at me. Looked at me personally. And said well you have always been the bottom of the barrel in your family. And you will always be the bottom of the barrel in your family. Who do you think you are? And people will ask me what did you do? My wife's sitting right here, and she'll tell you what I did. I walked to her, and I took her hand, and I said in front of them, come on, honey, let's just go do what God called us to do. I can't argue with you. I can't, I mean, some of what you were saying was true. I, I was the bad pickle in the barrel there for a bit. But, but the point is, is you've got to get that rest and peace There's got to be meekness and humility. As we yoke ourselves to his meekness, the rest will come. Hallelujah. We develop meekness by overcoming anger. We develop meekness by overcoming anger. Anger is defined as a strong feeling of displeasure and belligerence, aroused by a real or supposed wrong, a strong feeling of displeasure and belligerence, aroused by a real or supposed wrong, hallelujah, now notice it says real or supposed, so it could be something you think happened, or something that really happened, Right. Remember when Jesus was walking through Samaria and he was going to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world? He had to get there by Passover and the Samaritans wanted him to stay and minister to him and preach to him and Jesus set his face like a flint. This is so important. They weren't mad at him then. They were were heaping accolades on him. We want you to stay. We need more of this. And the Bible says Jesus set his face like a flint against those good words to go to Jerusalem. And it says the Samaritans got mad at him and started saying things. And you know, James and John, sons of thunder. They said, Lord, you want us to call fire out of heaven on them? Right? What did Jesus say? Now, what, what, what was that? That was a feeling of displeasure aroused by a real wrong. They had did Jesus wrong. What Jesus say? You don't know what spirit you're of. I came to save people, not destroy them. It, listen, it's better to keep a friend than win a fight. It's better to keep a door open to your family than win a fight. Is that right? And it, it might be a real wrong. But I, and again, even if the door's not open for me to show them that I'm not angry, I can stay calm here. I don't have to get angry in my heart. I can talk about them with words of kindness and words of love. See, we're developing character. Character is 24-7. Not just when you're around the person. Hallelujah. My goal every night of my life is to lay my head on my pillow knowing I don't have anything against anybody. Yeah, but after all I did for them, well, why were you doing that? Because you love them or because you expected something back? When we first started pastoring, I had a guy uh, asked to meet me and, and uh Uh, He came and I, I was there in the office and he came into the office for the appointment And he sat down and began to let me know how well off his family was and he began to let me know uh, how uh well off that uh, he you know, he was so well off. He could help me And make sure I was taken care of but he had some things he wanted You say what'd you do? I said i'm not for sale and I put a big I put a big banner up in my office that hung there for years that said I'm not for sale. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well my my point is I would I didn't stay angry at that man. That he he was the guy that eventually took the newspaper ad out about me. <laughs> a lady that went to the church that they were friends with passed away. She she uh uh, actually had left our church, went to another church. She passed away, and we went to the funeral, and they asked me to uh, to uh, uh, pray at the funeral. It was uh, Brother Ronnie. Y'all know Ronnie Poole. It was uh, his grandmother. And uh, so I went, and, and she had been to another church, so uh, uh, that pastor was doing the, the ceremony. But uh, I, these people were on the second row, and I saw them, and I just, and and honest to God, I just went up to shake their hand. I forgot all about what they had done. Oh, they hadn't forgot. They hadn't forgot. They made a scene at the funeral. She looked at me and said, how dare you try to shake my hand? I thought, well, praise God. Then I was trying to get out of the row, and I stepped on her foot. (laughs) I I, 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 had stepped around her to shake his hand. He wouldn't shake my hand. She wouldn't shake my hand. I thought, what if she shoots me or something? I don't know. And so I was, well, I'm sorry. Excuse me. And boy, I stepped on her foot and she howled. Oh, just, oh, Lord. You can't make this stuff up. And, uh, <laughs> But my point is, that wasn't a supposed wrong. They really took the newspaper ad out. They really tried to split my church. They really talked ugly about me. But I decided a long time ago, I've got to develop this in my life. And I can't respond to it. Or else, it'll take my focus off what God wants me to do. And that will become my focus instead of what God said. Is that right? When we we sin is when we give place to this feeling. I've had people argue with me that anger is not a sin. Well, then why would the Bible say be angry and don't sin? There is anger that's sin. Anger is more than an emotion. It can be a tool. We'll get into that in just a moment. But uh, anger can be readily visit, uh, visible or deep seated and not really apparent but it's it's inside that person like a volcano and it's just it's just it's rumbling and eventually they're going to blow hallelujah anger doesn't just happen i don't just wake up one day angry it was repressed or hidden And one day the right button was pressed and it all came to the surface. Hallelujah. Loss of control will take you out of meekness and into anger. And that usually destroys your character. Hallelujah. You've had people talk about somebody got into a fit of anger. They did something in a fit of anger. It usually destroyed their character. That's why you got to deal with it. When those angry feelings come up, you got to deal with them. Not suppress them, get rid of them. I've forgiven them. I'm walking in love in that situation. I love them. Amen. I've talked to parents that were so angry at their, ch- at, or, or children that were so angry at their parents for something they did or something they didn't do. And I would tell them, you got to deal with that. Because the Bible says you have to honor your parents. Oh, I, I can't honor them after what they did. It, it's not based on what they did or didn't do. It's based on the position they hold. Amen. You know, my, my parents raised me to be godly. They raised me to love the Lord. And, and whenever I'm tempted to think about something they didn't do, I always go back to that because that's the most important thing they could have done. Was teach me to love Jesus. I'm saved today because at eight years old I looked up at my mother on the front row while AJ Lewis was preaching and I said, Mom, I think, Mama, I think I need to get born again. And my little Kentucky mother walked me down the aisle and led me to Jesus. Boy, I get goose pimples thinking about that. That's the most important thing they could have done. Yeah, but they didn't do this and they didn't do that. Yeah, but I'm okay. If if I if 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 I die tonight, I'm going to heaven. I'm okay. None, none, none of that other stuff matters. I found ways to get around the other stuff. Amen. If your parents didn't teach you certain things, you can learn those things now through another avenue. But I, but I have to honor. You've got you to not suppress that anger. You've got to get rid of it. Everybody say, get rid of it. Rid of it. Yeah. Anger can be overcome. Look, look here in Proverbs 16. We're dealing with character. Proverbs 16 and verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that takes a city. Our objective is to develop the character of Christ, to develop meekness, And overcome the power of anger. That's our objective. Right? Anger begins in our Adamic nature. Notice that you don't see any anger in the perfection of the garden. You see anger and pride after the fall. Cain became angry at Abel and killed him. You can't kill somebody and not be angry at them. Anger begins in our Adamic nature. It's a negative reaction. Now bear with me here. To life situations that go against our selfish nature. You're driving down the road. You're trying to get on the highway. Remember Brother Bozo? He won't let you on the highway. You get mad. Why'd you get mad? He wouldn't let me on the highway. No, you didn't get your way. Y'all hear me over here. They're they're not listening. Now I'm joking, right? It blocked my goal. I need to get on the highway right now. Where I'm going is the most important place. Pastor I don't think that way Then why is it a big deal Why does it matter Why, why do people get mad And honk their horn and, I figure, I figure, I figure. Because the goal got blocked Right Why can't we just say Hey praise God move on here See I better move on We're we're developing the character of Christ. It is not being able to have what we want when we want it. Or not being able to control the situation. You are not going to be able to control all the situations that come up in your life. There are things that people are going to do. Steps that people are going to take. That you can't control. But you can control you. Is that right? To keep anger under under control... I've got to keep the flesh under control. I have a dear pastor that's so precious to me, Elder E.C. Morton. And uh, one time I was dealing with something, and uh, I I was having to make a decision, and I didn't want to make it because it was not going to set well with some people. And I was talking to him on the phone, and I was kind of dancing around the situation. And my wife took the phone. And she said, Pastor Morton, Here's the problem. He don't want to do it because of how those people are going to feel. And I heard him over the phone. Here's, this is how he talks. Michelle, you can't help how people feel. Well, that set me free. I can't help how people feel. I'm not trying to hurt people's feelings, right? But I, 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 I got to keep my flesh under control. And I've, I've got to do the right thing. Here's five evidences that are root of angers at work in your life. Five evidences. Number one, temper tantrums. Mama called it throwing a fit. My mother was the world's best at just letting you throw your fit, and when you looked up, she was gone. I, I, had a, I have a cousin, and, and uh, I'm not going to name his name because if he watches this, he can beat me up because uh, he's a lot bigger than I am but uh, he's younger than I am, and my mother had a rule that if you were going into a store and she looked at you before you went into the store, and my mother would say it this way. My mother loved me more than anybody, but she was very straight. And, And mom didn't mince words, still doesn't. And she would look at me and she'd say, Philip Wayne, don't you ask for nothing. Don't you ask for a toy, candy, nothing. I'm not buying you anything today. Don't ask for anything. If you ask, I will spank you. That was it. And people say, what was your response? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, I had a cousin, still have a cousin, and uh, uh, he was spoiled, and in, in a good way, in a lot of ways, he lost his dad when he was very young, and so his his mother kind of overcompensated some areas, but but good good man turned out to be a real good man, and uh, he was there too, and uh, <laughs> mom was leading us both around. He wanted everything, and he we got in front of these dump trucks, and he wanted a truck, and my mother said, "No, I'm not buying you a truck." Oh, here comes the fit, and I'm I'm just going what. Ooh. I'm thinking, his mama's going to come over and get him, you know. Well, he was with us, and, and, and he's throwing a fit. And my mom just grabbed my hand, we walked off and left him. He's throwing a fit, kicking and screaming in the toy aisle. And in a minute, you could hear him quit. And he just got up and looked around. It wasn't working. He just came over to us and didn't say anything else through the whole store. Temper tantrum. I want the truck. You're not getting the truck. Right? Number two, angry reaction to unfairness. When you're done wrong, your faith is on trial. That's the trying of your faith. And what's James say it works? Patience. Patience. If you can walk in love and walk calm and walk humble and walk peaceful with some of the people that you're dealing with, you're going to have great faith. Amen? Number three, express frustration over unchangeable circumstances. Express frustration over unchangeable circumstances. Let me ask you a really simple question. If you can't change it, why are you allowing yourself to be frustrated by it? Can't change it. People are going to think what they want to think and and you sitting around thinking about what they're thinking is not helping your thinking. Well, I'll tell you this is how it's going to be when we go to their house or or when we see them and 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 I mean, I'm I'm not just talking about Family, I mean, you're thinking about the next time you see him at church or the next, what if I see him in the grocery store? Well, what are you going to do? Quit buying groceries? You might see him. Well, what do you do? The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. Blessed are the peacemakers. Moving right along. Number four, grumbling, murmuring, or complaining grumbling murmuring or complaining now this word grumble it means to mutter in discontent to utter low indistinct sounds or a growl if you've raised kids you know this word right cuz you've walked by them before told them to do something and you heard something and you went what'd you say Nothing, you said something. I heard you. I, I see all the moms going, mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Complain is to express, express grief, pain, uneasiness, resentment or dissatisfaction. Express grief, pain, uneasiness. Resentment or dissatisfaction. So grumbling and complaining are one of the evidences that anger's at work. Number five, extreme sensitivity and touchiness. Don't be touchy. Fretful. That's important. Hallelujah. You know, we teach our kids, we're in the process of, of learning this uh, with our child, is that, you know, everything in life is not going to go your way. And you can't be touchy about it. Because that, that, that'll hurt your child. That'll hurt your grandchild on their job. It'll hurt them with their relationships, right? It, you, can't, you can't be touchy or fretful. When someone asks you to do something and it's hard, sometimes you just got to put your head down and do it. You got you to give it your effort, right? And you know as a parent or a grandparent, if I do it for them, they're not going to learn to do it. They're not going to learn to push. You you ask, Brother Jim, I've, I've told my staff this for years. The problem I see with people a lot of times, they don't know how to push. They don't know how to push through things. And the, the, the reason is there's this sensitivity, this touchiness. It's not not fun to be around touchy people, fretful people. That's what we have today. We call it cancel culture. It's touchy culture. Oh, you say something I don't like? Cancel. Well, the only way to deal with that is to deal with the flesh. Stay sensitive to the Spirit of God and remember that people are human. T- tell your neighbor, say, you know what? People are human. That's important to remember. People are human. People make mistakes. Some, one day you'll pull up to your coffee shop, whatever coffee shop you'll go to. I go to Dunkin'. People say, why? I'll tell you real, real plain why. I can no longer abide Starbucks stance. If you want to go there, that's up to you. I'm not saying. But you know, when they send out emails and say, if you're, for, if you're not for same-sex marriage, we don't need your business, you don't need my business. Yeah, but it's just coffee. Yeah, but it's just 4 or $5 It's helping them do what they're doing. It's not coffee to them anymore. It's a political statement. Now, I'm not telling you not to go there. I'm just saying, you know, you pull up to Dunkin' or wherever you get your coffee and boy, they have a bad having a bad day. People are human. You don't know what happened to them on the way to work. We're developing the character of Christ because we want the glory of the Lord to flow. We want to build this body Into everything that God wants it to be. Am I helping you? Uh, Choose to not be easily offended. Say that out loud. I choose to not be easily offended. And here's why. We are given a certain amount of time on the earth. Don't waste it allowing hurt feelings. You don't have an hour of this night to waste. On offense. Because you have to deal with the repercussions tomorrow. But they should have done this. I know and I understand that they should have done different things. But it's how I respond. If you get touchy and feely. It'll ruin your whole life. Hallelujah. I had a friend one time that would asked me to come over and, and minister at his church. And uh, I would go and minister for him, and, and he was having some financial trouble, and I recognized that. And so finally, he would ask me to come minister, and uh, he, he would tell me, well, you know, we'll get you your honorarium. And I started saying, no, brother, you just keep the honorarium, you know, I, because I knew they needed it more than I needed it. And uh, he, had a, uh, he had a stroke from all the pressure that he was under. And uh, uh, the, the, the week that he had a stroke, his wife didn't have anybody to minister. She asked me if I would come minister. And so I came to minister. And uh, uh, I had not been able to get up to see him in the hospital. And uh, she just uh, threw a fit on me in the office. Have you been up to see him? Well, no, I, ha- I haven't been able to. And, and she was just angry over that. Well, I know she was going through a lot of things, but here's my point. I eventually was able to go and minister to him. But I would not have been able to go and minister to him if I'd have got touchy and feely. I had to recognize her husband just had a stroke. She's left with all the pressure of this ministry. You understand? I've I've got to recognize that. I've got to recognize those things. The world says one thing about anger. The word says another. The world says anger shows strength, but the word says not to be hasty in your anger. We won't look at all of these, but look at uh, here at Ecclesiastes. I got about five minutes. If I don't get too preachy, we should get through it. Am I helping you? We're growing. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Do not be hasty in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. That word fool means, now this is what it means. Stupid fellow, dullard, or an arrogant one. A stupid fellow, a dullard, or an arrogant one. And so it says that anger rests in the bosom of of uh, arrogant people. Is that right? The world says you need to express how you feel. The word says expressed anger causes strife. Proverbs 15 and 18. Oh, hallelujah. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he that's slow to anger appeases strife. Slow to anger. The world says anger is a good release. You know, you just need to vent. I've had people do that. I I had a a gentleman one time that uh, was working in the church. He was on staff, and and he was getting into some things that he shouldn't get into. And I was talking to him about some things. And uh, he got so angry at me. He got so angry at me in my office. Was yelling and screaming at me. He was about to cuss. And so mad that Pastor Michelle came in and said, you know, they can hear you all the way down the hallway. Well, he then he got mad at her. And, uh, well, finally he stormed out. And... Uh, You know, then the story was this. Well, yeah, I got mad and I said all those things, but here's why. I just had to vent. I just had to let somebody know how I felt. See, the world says it's a good release. Vent. The word says anger puts you in bondage. Anger puts you in bondage. In the book of Galatians 5 and 20, It says, uh, in verse 19, the works of the flesh. These are the works of the flesh. Verse 20, it uses the word wrath. That word wrath means boiling anger or to be angry. So to walk around angry shows that I'm in bondage to the flesh. Because that's a work of the flesh. You see all that's going on in the world, in the political scene, when, when we're on the precipice of thousands of children being saved, and, and look at the, the people that want to keep it where it's at and keep the laws the way they are, look at how they're reacting. Firebombs. Anger. Threatening the justices. I never thought I'd see that day in America. But what is it? It's anger. It's unrestrained anger. You're not giving us our way. You're going to take. They don't care about the baby. And they don't care about women's rights. You're not letting us have what we want. And we're going to throw a temper tantrum. Keep your hands off my body. Keep your rosary off my ovary. It has nothing to do with their body. That child is a separate human being. It's a person that can feel pain. That has emotions. Do you understand that? And they are so in bondage to the flesh that they're angry that babies are going to be saved. Well, I'm not. I told my wife I'm going to be even more bold about it. Hala, I'm 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 like David. If you think I've been you think I've been bold thus far, you just wait. Because it's it's time. It's time that everybody our friends, our family, the people that we know. See, this is what we believe. And you can believe whatever you want, but this is what we believe. I just decided not too long ago, they are so brazen in what they believe, and they're so brazen to just try to cram it down your throat. Well, just get ready, because I can be just as brazen. Brother Hagin went into a car dealership with John Osteen one time, and John Osteen had a card from a guy, said, you can buy this car for this amount. That guy wasn't there when he went in. And the guy that he gave the car to looked at, looked at it, and he started cussing. Blankety-blank, you can't get that blankety-blank car for that amount of money, blank, blank, blank. And Brother Osteen wasn't but like five seven five eight, He got right up in that big guy's face and started saying, praise God, glory to God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, glory to God. And the guy stopped and said, what are you doing? He said, if you're going to cuss him, I'm going to praise him. I demand equal time. <laughs> Amen. If, if, if you're going to talk about all these rights that you have, I'm going to talk of the truth. I'm going to tell the truth. They're trying to poison our kids. They, they, they want your kids spinning a gender wheel to try to determine what gender they are. They're trying to teach kids in public school that, that, that when you couldn't talk, your parents saw certain body parts, and so they called you a boy or a girl. And because you couldn't talk, you couldn't tell them what you really are. Now that you can talk, you decide what you are. That's what, the, that's what they want to do. And I'm, I'm trying to rally our congregation... And say, not on our watch. Jesus is Lord over Little Rock. Jesus is Lord over DeSoto. Jesus is Lord over Arkansas. Jesus is Lord over Kansas. Amen. I got big signs coming that we're going to draft people to stand out on our sidewalk every Sunday and every Wednesday before church that says, Jesus is Lord over Little Rock. They're already bought and paid for coming. Because that's the reality of it. Now, I, I, I say that because those people are in bondage to the flesh. And they get angry when they don't get their way. Amen. The world says it's better to express anger than to physically hurt someone. Better to get so mad you punch a hole in the wall. Or kick a rock and break your foot. But the word says if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. You know what it says? I saw somebody standing outside of one of the justices' house that had a sign and said, Can we abort Amy Coney Barrett? One of the female justices. Can we abort her? They wrote on the the family council building, If abortion isn't safe, neither are you. After they firebombed it. That's anger. That's anger. Anger at not getting your way. Well, just get ready because they're not going to get it and they're going to be even more angry. Well, that's all right. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen. It it said, in the darkest of times, the righteous will shine like the stars in the heaven and will be mighty and do exploits for our God. I'm convinced if we confront the persecution, And if we confront the wrong thinking, that God will show up with miracles and signs and wonders and glory and salvation and victory. Some of our family members are just waiting for somebody to stand up and tell the truth about what's going on. They're coming to the Lord. The Lord said this year was a year for a great turn in our families. I'm telling you, I believe that. Well, pastor, it looks tough. I know it looks tough. It can look like they don't want anything to do with you. It can look like they think you're as wrong as you can be. But here's the thing. What God said trumps what they think. And God will turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. God will grant them repentance. Don't get angry. Don't get angry at how they're living. Don't get angry at what they're doing. You can can get angry at the sin, but don't get angry at them. Don't talk angry. Don't talk down. Don't talk mean. Talk in love. Talk meekness. Talk humility. Why? You'll get the victory. I'm almost done. Let me hurry. If anger is wrong, why did God give us this emotion? He didn't. Holy anger from God or righteous indignation is not sin. In, In the temple. Now, you can say what you want. In the temple... Jesus saw, Jesus saw him cheating people. That's what they were doing. They were charging exorbitant prices. And Jesus sat down and made a whip. It's not like he just had one. Peter handed him a whip. <laughs> <laughs> he sat down and made one. Isn't that what it says? And drove them out. He was hitting some folk. Jesus turned tables over. Can you see Jesus? Meek, mild baby Jesus. And said to them, get out of here. You've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. Hallelujah. Drove them all out and then taught. (laughs) I guess nobody messed with him. Waving that whip, y'all sit down and listen to me. Yes, sir. But it wasn't the spirit or the sin of anger, it was righteous indignation. He was angry at dishonor. Dishonoring his father made Jesus angry. Hallelujah. Uh, Ephesians 4 26. Let me hurry. I don't, I'm not going to get through all this, so let, let's, let's, we'll wrap it up with this. Is this all right? Ephesians 4 and 26. Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. The Wush Bible says, be constantly angry with a righteous indignation. Jesus' anger was not directed at the men. Is directed at the spirit of greed. You and I should be angry at sin. For the destruction it brings into people's lives. But we're not angry at the people. They're blind. They're blind. Because Satan blinded their minds. Holy anger will prevent you, now here's what I said, remember holy anger? Holy anger will prevent you from falling into temptation. It will prevent you from giving into sickness and pain, and it'll keep you from the devil. Holy anger will prevent you from falling into temptation. There are things that, I, that I've said before, that I'll say again, that, that have popped up in my life, and I would just, that holy anger would be there, and I would say, no, my character won't let me do that. A holy anger. Hallelujah. We're developing the character of Christ. Developing the character of Christ. And I'll end with this. There's times that there's an unjust attack. Or rebellion, I won't take the time to go there. Numbers 12 talks to us about uh, how uh, Moses had married an Ethiopian woman. You'll remember. And and, and, uh, uh, Miriam and Aaron got upset about it. And started talking about him. And the Lord came down, talked to them. And when the cloud lifted, the glory cloud lifted, Miriam was leprous. And Aaron saw it and Moses prayed for her, and she was cleansed. But have you ever stopped to think about something? Neither one of them went into the promised land. Miriam was a prophetess. Exodus says, Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Moses, danced and sang a prophetic song after the Egyptians had been drowned. Aaron was the high priest. But that event, when he got angry and got offended, cost him the promised land. But notice how Moses responded. He interceded for Miriam. What's the Bible say about Moses? He was the meekest man on the planet. That tells us something, doesn't it? So what do we do? For those that despitefully use and persecute us, Jesus said, "Pray for them. Intercede for them. You might be the only person praying for them. They 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 might have alienated everybody else. There might be no one else that takes them serious. You do, Amen. Let's stand up, shall we? Praise the Lord."